Hello, and welcome to the Leadership Collective Podcast, a conversation focusing on the challenges that leaders face in ministry. Each month, we sit down with seasoned ministry leaders to discuss the nuts and bolts of how they've navigated challenges in ministry and the lessons they've learned along the way. I'm Ted Leavenworth, pastor of Reliance Church in Temecula, California. And I'm Rob Sabato, lead pastor at Calvary Vista in Vista, California. The, the overall vision of the church, uh, we communicate probably three out of four Sundays a year, mm. where person uh, welcoming people is telling them who we are. Mm. We're so glad you're here. This is who we are. Uh, and then what we'll do is we'll feature one of our ministries. Today on the Leadership Collective Podcast, we're doing a bonus episode. And our guests today are Pastor Mark Foreman of North Coast Calvary Chapel, in Carlsbad, California, and Pastor Nick Cady of Whitefields Church in Longmont, Colorado. You know, last week we had a great conversation with Ed Taylor and Nate Holdridge that centered around vision. And if you missed that conversation, I really want to encourage you to go back and listen to it. Nate and Ed brought some incredible insight in dealing with how they set vision for their churches, how they cast vision, and how they remind the body of the vision, and also who's involved in that whole vision setting process. Yeah, Rob, there were so many great takeaways from that conversation. And, you know, the thing I've been chewing on all week has been uh, the importance of involving your key leaders, uh, working as a team to st- uh, strategically shape your general vision um, uh, to a specific application and specific programming, you know, throughout your platform, uh, getting your your women's ministry, your men's ministry, your children's ministry, and so on, uh, all unified in a, in a common thread. And, and also uh, in that process of enlisting your key leaders to help in casting that vision to the church body. Yeah, they did an excellent job in laying all that out. And I really loved how what Nate shared about the need to constantly remind the body of the vision and how he goes about the different ways that he goes about doing that, I found just to be extremely helpful. Yeah, that's so true. Uh, You know, the contrast between Ed and Nate was also really interesting to observe. That's the thing about leadership. You know, there are so many different leadership styles and so many different ways to approach setting and casting vision uh, for your church. And, you know, really that's the goal of the Leadership Collective uh, altogether. It's to share these diverse lessons, these diverse perspectives from guys pastoring large churches, pastoring small churches, and, and uh, you know, everywhere along the spectrum. Yeah, Ted, you're absolutely right. And that's why we're doing this bonus episode on vision today. And Pastor Mark and Pastor Nick are two great leaders and vision casters ministering in two radically different cities and environments. Pastor Mark Foreman is the pastor of North Coast Calvary Chapel in Carlsbad, uh, California. And it's a church that prior to the pandemic had close to 4,000 people attending at their weekend services. And North Coast Calvary is an amazing church that is making a huge impact in their community. But being a mega church, they have a staff of like over 150 people. Yeah, Pastor uh, Nick Cady pastors Whitefields Community Church. And it's a growing church of about three or 400 people in Longmont, Colorado. And they're making a huge impact in their community. But, you know, as you said, Rob, Nick has a different environment that he's working in. He has a different experience than Mark. Uh, He operates with a comparatively smaller church and and a much smaller staff than than Mark is uh, working with. Yeah. And, you know, I've known both of these men for over 25 years. Mark and I minister in the same area of North County, San Diego, and Mark has 50 years of pastoral ministry experience. So I just love picking his brain on things. He has such wisdom. And I met Nick when he was on the mission field pastoring a church that we helped plant in Eger, Hungary. Nick married a sweet girl from our church and was really, really, I I was so blessed in watching him lead there in Hungary. And I've been equally impressed to see him lead the church there in Colorado. My wife and I were just there in October and um, I was really, really impressed with what God was 
doing. Yeah, he's a neat guy and uh, and just is killing it and what he's doing. This is going to be a great bonus uh, edition, I think. Let's get to it as we welcome Pastor Mark Foreman and Pastor Nick Katie. Hey, welcome to the conversation, guys. It's great to be here. Yeah, it's great to be here. So we're talking about vision and uh, how you guys process vision, how you cast vision, uh, who's involved in setting the vision uh, for your church. Mark, let's start with you. Um, describe the process of setting your vision, or maybe even before that, um, you know, uh, seeking and, and really clarifying your vision. Yeah. Such a great question, Ted. Um, I think uh, as a pastor, we're always looking to Scripture to find out why we do what we do, right. you know. And uh, so for me personally, it's, it's evolved over the last 50 years of pastoring as, as I'm trying to boil it down to why do I do what I do? And, and, it, and it has the, the process of asking for the purpose of, you do this for the purpose of, and when you can't answer beyond that, you probably come close to your vision. Okay. Uh, so, so it's first of all biblically, you know, and then and then secondly is is contextually, where am I at? Am I in Denver? Am I in Carlsbad, California? And then and then thirdly, who am I in my gifts, and who am I uniquely, uh, so that I begin to do my vision uh, in that context, and then. Uh, finally, I want to ask the question of how do I articulate this to other people? So if there's a nice little slogan or something that actually makes that easy to remember, uh, that's awesome. Okay, excellent. And how far ahead are you looking when you're when you are are going through this this vision setting, vision seeking process? Yeah, for me, what I just described, I'm looking for my whole life. You know, what? Why am I on this planet? And looking at you know, but I think that every time we we move or there's some unique thing happening, I think every, every pastor coming out of this pandemic should be asking, uh, right. what's it all about, Alfie? <laughs> why, why am I doing what I'm doing? Um, and then I, I do it annually okay. as a process. I look at it to say, you know, is that working? Is, is that working for me? Uh, do I need to fine tune it? You know, I, I heard uh, Gordon McDonald recently being interviewed by Kerry Newoff, and he was talking about uh, just the, uh, the stepping back and the reevaluation of things. And he, he thought every, you know, seven to 10 years that regardless of where you were at, that it was, it was yeah, wise. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's, it's probably not good to do it more often than that. <laughs> it's, it's called right. introspection. Right. Yeah. Um, so who do you involve in your vision, um, uh, you know, establishing your vision process uh, and in articulating that vision? Uh, you know, you're, you're seeking the Lord. You're getting some clarity on your vision. Um, what's the next step in yeah. terms of involvement? Well, with our entire staff, we do it every year. Uh, I call it prayer planning. Uh, we do uh, three or four off-sites for a half day, one all day, I mean overnight. And I take them through a series of questions uh, where we come back in, we talk about it in small groups, and then they go off and they seek the Lord. And they're trying to really hear from God. They're taking a list of, of inventory assessments of both our community out there and, and our church, looking at the needs, and then looking at how they've thought before and, and how would they uh, redo this, then they go back to their kind of advisory group and try to communicate. It's just this whittling away. Uh, they're looking three years, but then out of that, they create uh, the five or six objectives that they have for this one year. Okay. So they're looking down three years, but they're creating goals and objectives for this year. Now, you said that you... Bring, you give them some questions. What, can you give us an idea of what those kind of questions yeah. are that you might pose to them? Yeah, well, the, the, the first is an intake. Um, and so the, in the intake, it's, uh, you, I would have them go off with Jesus mm -hmm. and a piece of paper and just, uh, 
as you look at your your ministry, let's say it's junior high, uh, what's working, what's not working? What are the needs of your students? And they just make the laundry list. And maybe it's 15, maybe it's 21. Uh, come back and share it, talk about it, and then send them off again. Uh, take a look at uh, North Coastal uh, region of San Diego. And how has that changed? How, how is the church meeting things? What are we missing? And so they do an intake there. And, uh, and then out of that, um, I send them off again and say, okay, you can't do all of this. You're, you're limited. <laughs> uh, how would you do four or five, six at the most of these things? Maybe only three. Um, and, you know, over the years, they keep adding objectives, you know, so it's not like they're throwing things away. Uh, But also they become, they come away with a purpose statement, a vision statement for their ministry, and it has to fit under the umbrella of the church vision. I love that. I love that. Now, when you are going away with your staff. You guys have a large staff. So are, are you going away with just the ministry leaders or everybody? Well, uh, just pastors and directors. Okay. So that's, that's like 30. Yeah. You know, the first getaway is with our spouses. Mm-hmm. And I ask them uh, to set aside the ministry. I don't want to hear one word about ministry <laughs> for 24 hours. This is about you and Jesus, because if you're not well... Uh, yeah. There's no point. Um, I love that. And, uh, and I'll often get some outside presenter to come and minister to our souls, our marriages. And then we start the process. The whole idea is to be able to come to September and, um, and have a budget that we're, I'm presenting to the board. So it's a purpose-based budget that started with this is what I want to do, and this, and then eventually by summer, um, not only do we have the objectives, but we have the dollars. Okay, this is what mm-hmm. it's going to cost to do this, and then obviously Bob McKenzie, the CFO, has got to <laughs> right. look at this and say, you, "We can't do this," or "What? What can we <laughs> exactly. do?" And, and we whittle it that way until yeah. so that when we're presenting to the board, it's great. It's 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 got a purpose behind it. So, Mark, I, I love what you're saying. How far ahead? So you're trying to get this all together by September. How far in advance is your staff getting together and, and you're having them process and think about this? Yeah, so they're per- turning in their budget uh, by June So because it's it, ministry is big in the summertime. So uh, you just work backwards. And so that means we have a soul care, marriage care, getaway the end of January, then before Easter, we have a half-day getaway, um, and it's all about needs assessment intakes. Mm -hmm. And then the next one after Easter is boiling those needs that you're seeing down uh, to three to five, and then, uh, and each time they have to go back to their team and and communicate like they're a lead pastor, and this Mm -hmm. is what I'm seeing and seeing. And, and then by June, we get to the budget. But the beautiful thing is I, I'm not driving them. They're creating. I'm, not, I'm just mm. pulling out of them. Right. And, and the fact that they're prayer planning. I love that. Uh, you know, it's just doing what Proverbs talks about in terms of vision casting. I love that. Nick, what about you? Let's let's uh, turn and, and what does your process look like as it relates to, you know, setting ve- vision for the church and how far are you thinking ahead and, and who's involved in your vision setting process? Yeah, my, I think our vision process is, is quite a bit different than Mark's, um, but I really love what Mark's saying. I'm going to be taking some notes on that. <laughs> but uh, yeah, our vision process, it uh, essentially focuses, it begins with primarily our pastors and elders in this process. And, you know, we are looking at a couple different things. So we're looking 10 years out, then we're looking three years out, and then we're looking at one. So we want to be looking at all three of those at the same time. And one of the ways that I've thought about vision in the past is I've always found it, um, I've always found it sometimes to be a little bit of a difficult word to really define. I find that sometimes when people use the word vision, they sometimes are meaning different things by it. And yeah. so uh, one way that I have 
kind of instructed our leaders to think about vision is to say that for me, when I use the word vision, I would define it as a desired outcome. And when I think that you define it that way, it just makes it a little bit more tangible, a little, little bit more easy to work with. You know, what is the desired outcome? Meaning, what do we want or hope or believe that God wants our church to look like in 10 years? And then we apply that, of course, to all our different ministries. And so we start big and then go smaller, kind of like concentric circles, right? So here's the big idea of 10 years from now, here's what we envision or believe that God wants for a desired outcome for our church. And then what does that look like, you know, broken down into different ministry areas, whether that's youth or whether it's um, men's and women's ministries, community groups, teaching ministry, et cetera. So that is uh, basically how we do it. Now, a couple of years ago, we had a man attending our church who his job was he did strategic planning for the University of Colorado in Boulder. And so he kind of said, hey, you know, what would that look like in a church setting? And he had never, never done that outside of, you know, big university setting. But he said, okay, let's, let's give it a shot. And so we put together a strategic plan, and that's become a major part of how we do vision uh, here at our church. And so what that looks like is that we started by defining, you know, what is our, our vision for our church, like our purpose statement, like Mark was saying a minute ago. And then what does that look like in three-year blocks, right? Mm-hmm. So if, if we believe that in 10 years we should look like this, or in 20 years things should be like this, how do we break that into three-year blocks? And then what does that look like, you know, going down in really practical ways? And we set uh, measurable goals. I think that's really key. That we want to set measurable goals that focus on the things that we need to do. Meaning, um, you know, it's uh, sometimes, you know, if you set your goal, meaning that you want to have a certain number of people or a certain amount of money, I think that that's a bit misguided in mm. as far as that. The goals need to be things that you can measure and that you can actually have some sense of control over. And I, I think a good example of this is, you know, Aesop's Fables has this this parable or this fable about the goose and the golden egg. And the idea was that they kept feeding the goose, and as they fed the goose, the goose produced golden eggs. But at one point, they became greedy, and they decided to kill the goose so they could pull all the golden eggs from outside of it. And by killing the goose, of course, not only did they not get any eggs from inside of it, but they didn't have a goose to produce golden eggs in the future. And the idea is that if you keep feeding the goose, so to say, meaning doing the things that you're called by God to do and doing them well and defining what those things are, then ultimately, you know, it will continue. You know, God will continue to bless what he's called you to do. So, so again, measurable goals and things that you actually have some control over. Nick, I hear you using the terms uh, we and our um and uh, it seems that, like in in contrast to to Mark's approach, where he's getting away and has the really the the overall umbrella kind of vision, that your process is uh, beginning really more with uh, with your I'm assuming your your pastors and your elders. It's more collaborative from the beginning. Is am I am I sensing that right, or is, or is there a step before that with you and the Lord? Yeah, I think it begins with me and the Lord. Obviously, you know, in our setup, I would be considered kind of like the first among equals in our in our system. But um, definitely from from that moment on, there's there's probably a lot of deference to me just as a pastor and as a senior leader. But I would say that yeah, we try as much as possible to define it collaboratively rather than um, being primarily driven by just myself. So in terms of communicating that vision to, uh, to your staff, and this will be a question for both of you guys, uh, but Nick, I'll, I'll start with you. Um, communicating your vision to your staff, um, what does that process look like for you? Yeah, so that's done through our weekly staff meetings. And, um, and then the next level down from our staff is our ministry leaders. And so three to four times a year, we have what we call a ministry leaders huddle where we have lunch on a Sunday afternoon and share vision with them, make sure that they're bought in, make sure that we communicate everything that um, needs to be communicated to our leaders. We kind of go in that, that step. It begins with our pastors and elders. 
then it goes to our staff, and then it goes to ministry leaders before it goes to the congregation. So, Nick, what I'm what I'm curious of is your process for communicating first to that that first circle of leaders, uh, pastors that you have uh, that are on staff or key elders, and then from there disseminating that information to um, that vision to your staff and through the you know the leaders in the downline so to speak so um, could you could you articulate that process for yeah, us? So, so Nick, he's wanting to know how you went and told all your leaders that you wanted to have a church with ten thousand people. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. And you wanted to well, drive a Porsche. I, I just told them. Sure. Yeah. So, what the process looks like is that we create, we end up creating a document. It's kind of a living document where we're mm. editing it. We revisit it uh, once every six weeks. We have just an hour long meeting where we sit down with. Um, the person who kind of does the coordinates the strategic planning that we sit down with our elders, we go through, we check our metrics, we check them against what we hope that they would be. And then we take that document and that document is made available to all of our ministry leaders and, and then beyond that to, to uh, even to people in the church so that they can see, you know, what is it that, where is this church going? You know, what, what is the ultimate uh, destination where we're, where we're leading them to? So what are some of the metrics that show up in that document? Yeah, I've got it in front of me. Um, here's, uh, we have some of the metrics. One of them is uh, increasing congregation engagement. And so it's, it's, some of these are a little bit hard to measure. But so, for example, we try to measure how, what our congregation size is and then how much of our congregation is engaged in activities with our church beyond Sunday morning. So that would mean community groups, men's and women's Bible studies, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, so we also measure the number of local outreaches we do every year. We um, we have a metric surrounding our org chart, meaning the number of ministry leaders mentoring successors. So we keep track of that, and we have a, we have a certain percentage that that needs to reach in order for us to say that we're doing what we should be doing. Uh, another one is uh, we have a what we call a Bible Learning Center here at our church, and so there's a metric related to the number of classes and the number of people participating in those classes. So those are just a few of them. Got it. Mark, same question for you. Um, yeah. When you you get away with the Lord and the Lord's given you a sense for, this is, as you put it, the umbrella uh, uh, of our vision and, uh, and all. So how, how do you go about articulating that to your pastors and that first group of leaders that you would be meeting with? Yeah, yeah, I want to just jump in here for a second because, um, Mark, I know you guys have been, you've been there 30 years now. Right. So I, I'm kind of hearing you earlier, and correct me if I'm wrong, is it's almost like the overall vision has sort of been set. And yeah. it sounded like what you're doing is getting together with your leadership and kind of encouraging them to come up with a vision for the year that goes with the overall vision. Is that correct, kind of how you're approaching it? Yeah, and probably to uh, Nick's point, uh, you know, we're, what we're doing annually is re- we're really talking about measurable goals and objectives, Yeah. Uh, reassessing the overall vision that fits under the overall vision of the church. But I think that there's uh, qualitative and quantitative course corrections uh, as you see, okay, this is what's needed now and what's needed now. Um, to your question, Ted, uh, we right now are actually reassessing everything. <laughs> you? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you too? So, well, I'm, in a, in, I'm involved in a succession plan. Okay. You know, because, you know, I'm now 29. <laughs> and I, and I, and I, and I want to, that's really important to me. I think the success of a leader is only known after you stop leading. Um, and uh, so I, I want to really hand this baby off well. So I'm, I'm bringing around me an advisory group of pastors that are uh, kind of inner circle leader kind of guys amongst our pastors um, and inviting them to rethink mm-hmm. the overall vision. Where do we want to go now over the next 30 years? Where where what needs to change, what needs. The other thing I would just mention is that um, in my mind, when I think of, of vision, 
for all the different ministries. Oftentimes, I'll step up to a chalkboard and draw a stick figure because that's the best kind of person <laughs> I can draw. And, and I'll say, okay, this is what pops. This is the widget person that pops out of your ministry after three years. What does that look like? What characteristics do you want this person to have? We're really talking a bit about discipleship building. Excellent. And, and you start writing down, and, and they're often different per ministry, which is disturbing <laughs> uh, because you, wouldn't, you would think that you know, we all have the same Bible. But uh, just think about the, the cultural shift that we've gone through this year. Uh, and the church uh, introspecting about, well, are, are, how are we doing about penetrating America mm. with the gospel? Are we just a veneer church that uh, is a 60-minute thing that happens on Sunday? And, and, and ask ourselves a lot of tough questions and then out of that begin to fill in who we want this person to be. And then out of that begin to think programmatically of, uh, to Nick's point of just saying, well, how involved are the people? You know, mm-hmm. if you have people on the average only coming 2.1 times a month, and that's a committed Christian in America, how are we gonna move towards this discipleship person? And, and, and where does that happen? Is it online? And, and, and you begin to ask yourself the programmatic questions and then out of that, uh, the dollars questions. So yeah, that's, so it's quantitative, but it's also qualitative. And is this something that's going on, you know, like all through the year in your staff meetings or your staff meetings weekly or how do you do that? Well, yeah, our staff meetings are weekly. And then I have uh, this advisory group that meets monthly. And uh, I I formed it just as a way of discipling them into the things that a senior pastor has to think through. And this this is like five, seven years ago. And I started discovering that their wisdom was, it it was a two-way street. I needed their insight and uh, wanted to have more of a team ministry. So, you know, like Nick said, I'm a leader among leaders. Yeah. I always have the ace card, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's shift now to the whole idea of once you have this vision, you feel like the Lord's given you for the year in place, how do you go about communicating that then to the church? And when do you do that? Is it something that you do more than once? Is it something that happens you know, often? And Nick, we'll go ahead and start with you on answering that question. Yeah, so what we do is we we started doing this last year, and what we do is it's like a year-in-review document, and we put it out to the whole church. We actually send it out with our giving statements every year, and what it outlines is on one side, it outlines kind of some of the accomplishments from the previous year, and then on the other side, it um, has some goals for the next year, the upcoming year. And it has what we call them like areas of focus, you know, so they're within our overall vision, And they're kind of, I guess you could call them steps in the process that would lead us to that place that we believe that God wants us to go to. So we outline some of those. And the reason we do that is, on the one hand, it kind of keeps us accountable to the congregation because they've got a stack, you know, after a few years of these papers. (laughs) And they can kind of see, did we actually do what we said we were going to do? And I, I don't know about you guys, but for me, it really helps to actually put things down and uh and have them be measurable and have have it have some accountability i guess for myself and for our leaders that's a perfect word yeah here's here's what we do you know here's what we said we were going to do and did we actually do it and by god's grace you know we have been able to do that over the last couple of years i think that also you know encourages people um, that they can trust us as leaders and that um, we are doing what we we say that god has called us to do so that's the one way we put out this document. We make that available throughout the year. And uh, it's very popular. You know, we actually have it out in our lobby in church. And um, we just have to keep printing more of them because people keep picking them up and taking them. We tell, we tell people pray over these things and, and get on board. Um, the other thing that we do is that we do a vision series. And we used to do that at kind of random times throughout the year, whenever it fit in between like one of our book studies. 
But uh, more recently, what we've started doing is we started doing it just at the beginning of the year. And the vision series is kind of just a refresher on some of our core values. And, but, but also we, we give concrete and detailed things like, okay, here's what we're going to be doing this year and focusing on. It, it occurs to me that's not unlike, you know, when you keep a prayer journal um, and you have the occasion to reflect back on it and it, and it builds your faith, you can, you can see God's faithfulness in the things that you're mm-hmm. doing. And in, in a real tangible way, that, that sort of serves a similar thing for your body in, in you doing that. And, yeah, um, and, I, and I use it throughout the year to actually make sure that we're, we're staying yeah. on track, you know. That's, that's great. I love that. And how long is the vision series usually? How many weeks? This week was, this year was three weeks. Last year was three weeks. So I, I think that's kind of how we're, we're moving forward is keep it short. Um, I, I think that you can kind of tire people out with oh, all yeah. your talk about vision. <laughs> and so I, I like to keep it short and keep it really, really clear and distinct and kind of tell people, you know, here's what we're going to be talking about each week. Yeah, that's so. great. Mark, what about you? How do you go about communicating this, the idea of your vision to the body? There yeah, there. we kind of do it differently. I used to do it the way Nick was describing the first three weeks mm-hmm. uh, in the beginning of the year. Um, so um, this is our business outreach ministry. This is our sport outreach ministry, our missions, our uh, young adult youth and and so what happens at least i believe is people who have an affinity to that area of ministry their heart gets grabbed and uh we say we're, we're going to be outside between services we'd love to get to know you'd love to meet you and uh there they come and they pick up some literature some collateral and and the relationship begins and then we have uh video uh, messaging almost uh, uh, probably two or three weekends a month where they're seeing some aspect of our ministry uh, going on. So they're hearing the umbrella, but they're also hearing mm. the, the different unique aspects of how does that play out among children? How does that play out in uh, these various areas? Now, it's interesting that you brought up the these the video um, messages because you know I think all of us right now are experiencing this new you know phenomenon it, it's always been there but I think it's bigger for all of us of these online attenders and I think that's probably become a little bit more of a focus for all of us I know it definitely has for us and and one of the things that we're wrestling with because a, a part a big part of our vision is discipleship and so we've been thinking about like okay how do we disciple people online? Right. You know? um, so I'm just wondering, and I'll, I'll let you start with this, Mark, is, in your, is your vision or plan different for those who are online versus those who are actually attending? And how are you approaching that? Yeah, um, I think you have to assume the best. You know, the moment, moment you start assuming the worst in people, it, yeah. it, it doesn't play out good for the pastor. So you're assuming the best. And so if they're there two weekends a month in, in person, that they're on a business trip, they're on a family vacation or a sporting event, and they're going to check out online what's going on. I don't know that that always happens. So that I think we have to think in terms of uh, communicating more so whether, whereas you maybe did an announcement once, mm. you know, you do it three times now knowing that it's, it's going to gradually connect with them. And I think discipleship is the same way. I think uh, it's, it's a very harried world out there, and we can't assume bad hearts about them. They're just trying to follow Jesus and keep their family together and run a business. And so we have to keep up with them and... Uh, make discipleship possible for them in any way, every way imaginable. Yeah. Coming up with creative ways to, yeah. to do that. What about with you, uh, Nick? Is your vision or plan different for the online audience versus those who are actually attending? No, it's, it's not different. I mean, I think it's based on principles. You know, a lot of it is based on principles that are somewhat flexible. But I would also say, you know, one of our big focuses lately has been that we want people who view online 
to really know and feel that they're just as much part of the congregation as others. I don't think that this is going away. I think this is going to be the new normal mm-hmm. where you have people who are part of your church and they, they maybe don't attend maybe even at all in person. And, uh, and I think that we need to come up with creative ways using online tools and resources to, um, to really bring them into that process, whether it's discipleship, whether it's prayer. I think we have to be thinking both and all the time when it comes to in-person and online. That's excellent. You know, uh, I, I want to talk to you guys about um, when you pivot and the need for pivoting and, um, and insert the laugh track there for 2020. <laughs> but, but before I do, I, I just before, before we get away from this, because this idea of communicating vision Mark, as you were talking, you were um, kind of articulating this idea of all of the different ways that we're communicating vision to to the body and and the different venues. Um, I'm curious about the role of um, of uh, like a, a new members class um, yeah. in orientation that that kind of thing. Um, I would imagine you have them, and that that's a big part of your casting of your vision. Yeah, yeah, both uh, a welcoming event. And then uh, a newcomers, new members kind of uh, series. And so the welcoming event is, is just a taste. It's, it's, it's a flavor of uh, sampling of the leadership. It's, it's letting them hear the vision, and it's letting them hear particularly the values. We haven't talked about values, but values are, are the cultural flavor that you feel when you go to this country, this country, or this church and this church. Both right. churches are evangelical, but there's a totally different flavor you feel. Right. When, and, and they want to know why is that, because that's why they've come. And, uh, and then the, the, the new members is if you only had uh, three weeks, which we give ourselves, how do you compress right. in three <laughs> weeks? Uh, and then to, to have even at the end of that three weeks – uh, there's a six-week class now available to you, and you're thinking of how do we keep them uh, engaged so that they don't just now kick back in their easy chair. But we, and eventually, you want them. Now you're plugged in to the women's ministry, children's, young adults, whatever. Uh, it's it's all leading to something, but they have the uh, DNA of the church flowing through them right. as they move out. Yeah, as Craig Rochelle talks about how uh, culture is a combination of what you create and what you allow. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, and so... I, uh, yeah, I, I call it the red light, green light. Right. Of, of <laughs> what? You, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, Nick, how about for you? Same question about, uh, about casting vision through orientation. Um, you know, Mark, Yours is is really given a three week process of orientation with then those those pointers to uh, the six week uh, event, uh, getting people plugged into regular events. How about how does it work for you, Nick? Yeah, you know that is an area where we have um, have had to really change a lot since since the pandemic. When we first started, we did um, every few weeks we had kind of a, a newcomers welcoming event. And that's just something we haven't been able to do, uh, mostly because of of space, you know, requirements now that don't don't want churches handing out food and, and refreshments at all. So we've had to re really rethink the whole process. And what we've done is we've gone online with with it. And so we do an in person version, which is uh, for us it's four weeks. We do an in person version. It's recorded, and each week those are put online as uh, unlisted YouTube videos that we send out to the people who sign up and aren't able to come in person. Well, that's excellent. You you, you handled both. You talked about your orientation and <laughs> what you did to pivot, and so it's back to you, Mark, in terms of pivoting in in terms of your casting vision and and all. Yeah, we we've had to pivot as well, and so we obviously have pivoted to online, but we also have uh, begun to do outdoor welcome. Okay. And, uh, and that is kind of like in the last month, an experiment. <laughs> like, how did we do? You know, how many people came to that and felt comfortable at that? And it's, it's not a food 
uh, you know, like Nick said, usually it's this big, all, <laughs> the, all the all the desserts you've ever imagined, right. and and now it's it's like, well, it's just us with a mask on, you know. Right. But um, you know, we we actually have been surprised at how many new people we've had in person at at our outdoor services. That that has been, you know, I mean, you get the online thing of someone. Uh, messaging you from Ohio or South Africa, right. and you're kind of intrigued by that. But when you have walk-ons uh, to an outdoor campus, that really intrigues me. How did this even happen? You know, right. Yeah, that's fantastic. Um, the idea of um, experimentation, you brought it up, and I, I yeah. love that because sometimes when it comes to vision – um, the jury's out, and we're like, I don't, I don't know if if this is actually going to be a thing that works. Yeah. And so, so I really appreciate you. I'm a big to... fan of experimentation. You right. know, not not to the degree that you you uh, risk the baby right. <laughs> with the bathwater, but right. you know, the fact that you know, there's some things out of humility. I just don't know. Yeah, give it a whack. And are you uh, are you pretty forth? forthright with your congregation in those situations where you just say, hey, we're just going to give this a shot. Yeah. We're just going to, leaving it open for... I think the DNA out. of our church is uh, artists and surfers. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and so that lends us a lot of freedom, uh, right. you know. That's fantastic. That's hey, same, same question for you, Nick, in terms of experimentation. Yeah. You know, actually, I, I used to be a lot more worried about it. I used to be worried about, you know, doing things that failed and then the congregation losing trust in our leadership. And my friend, uh, Pastor Ed Taylor here, I remember talking to him on the phone um, a few years ago, and he really changed my opinion about how to handle that. I mean, here's what he told me. He said, look, it's, it's their church. You're their leader. And what you need to do is bring them along on the journey. And bring them with your, your failures and your successes because you're in this together. And actually, even your failures can build a sense of camaraderie, like and bringing people together, unifying force behind even your failures. And um, you know, another friend of mine, you know, Greg Opine, he always used to talk about when we would have Sunday church, he's like, you know what it's like? It's like Gilgal back in the book of Joshua, right? It's the place that you return to after your victories and your defeats. Mm -hmm. And after your victories, you celebrate, but after your defeats, right, you commiserate together and you, you prepare <laughs> for the next battle. And I, I've really learned to do that over the last couple of years is to bring people into the process and communicate a lot and say, hey, look, here's our vision. Here's what we're up against. Here's the challenge. And so here's what we're going to do, and we're going to try it out. And if it fails, then we're going to come back and we're going to try something else. But let's be in this together. And it really, by communicating in that way and saying, hey, we're doing this together. Here's what we're facing. Here's what we're up against. And just saying, hey, we're, we're on the team together. And, and, of course, we've got leaders, but we want you to be part of this and know about it, pray about it. Um, I've found that to just be a very unifying thing, and and I feel like people really, they really appreciate it rather than just having somebody come out of, uh, out of the room and say, you know, like <laughs> surprise, here's what we're gonna do, and yeah. then, then if it fails, I think you do end up having having that. Whereas if you bring them along in the process, I think it's a lot better. I love the idea that you guys are talking about of communicating in that type of way and and saying in a sense like, hey. You know, we're going to try something here. We're not sure, but we're just sort of, we're feeling led. And it sort of, I think, takes away that sense of like, what? You're supposed to be hearing from the Lord, you know? Right, right. <laughs> well, but I think there's, there's some mitigating issues. One is the fact that if you're a pastor that's been there two years or 20 years, yeah. uh, there's, there's a certain amount of equity you build over time. That's I great think point. as you communicate, if you say we, everyone wants to know who's the we. Who's the we? Are those are those the mystical <laughs> nuns in Zurich, <laughs> Switzerland, or who are they? You know, and if you say you know I've, we've we've prayed about it uh, amongst our pastoral staff, the board has prayed about it. So we're we're then they they feel the deeper keel yeah. of like whoa yeah. they, okay they're you're using the word experiment, but there's a lot of people that are kind of in on this thing. Right. Uh, the one downside that you just have to be aware of, you're, you're, you are gonna get a lot of emails 
uh, of just saying, have you ever thought of oh, yeah. uh, <laughs> my, un- my uncle in Missouri, you know, and, and uh, you, people mean well, uh, but th- they're, they're all hearing that, uh, that experiment at different levels. Yeah. And, and you just smile. Yeah. Right? I think there's such wisdom in what you just said, Mark, about uh, building equity. Um, and for anybody who's, you know, new in planting or, or you know, you're new in, in taking over. I remember I heard Pastor Chuck say this, that if you are taking over a church that is doing well, don't change anything for like right. three years, you yeah. know. And I thought there was such wisdom in that. And I know when I um, became the lead pastor here at Calvary Vista, I really followed that. I mean, all the any changes that I made were really things that the congregation never saw it was all behind the scenes you know type of things that were happening so yeah along the same lines john maxwell talks about having change in your pocket a leader who has change in his pocket because if he's got some change in his pocket from uh some faithfulness through the ministry and some successes through the ministry that uh, people give him the latitude to make those wow what a a great picture Yeah. yeah I love that. Well, guys, we're coming to the end of uh, this conversation and really have enjoyed your guys' insights. Um, We have one final question for you, and that's um, as it relates to this crazy year that we just had, and we're, you know, we're still in the midst of it. Things, you know, are not normal and probably never going to be normal again. Like what's, we're trying to figure out what's the new normal going to be, but what's been your biggest challenge that you faced in trying to carry out your vision in 2020 to the present? Yeah. Start with you, Mark. I would probably say the, uh, the, the political and the divisive climate, mm. uh, at least that's at least personally painful. Big time. To me, uh, you know, I think uh, blue and red both count, cancel very well. Uh, and when Christians cancel Christians, yeah. uh, you know, it just hurts more. Uh, so there's a, a strange filtering process going on in every church where where people are filtering themselves out of your church because you're not enough this, or you have too much of that, or when are you going to do this? And uh, people have always done that. Uh, you know, I've always called California Christian Disneyland. <laughs> you know, like, oh, I'm tired of the Matterhorn. I've gone there three years. I'm just going to, you know, and that's always bothered me. But now it's, it's, it's intensified and compressed. Um, and I don't know how it's going to land. Yeah. I think that a lot of people will eventually migrate back to their home churches. But I think there's been a, f- a huge musical chairs mm. going on. And I just hope that all these people uh, still follow Christ and, yeah. and land at a good home. Yeah, I think there's been more biting and devouring amongst the body of Christ than I've ever seen in my lifetime, and so much of it out in the public eye. In fact, I was sharing with our church just a couple of weeks ago about this, and I said, I think the devil's laughing at us because we're like doing his job for him. You mm. know, it's like he's looking going, who's going to want to join them? They can't even get along, you know, yeah. and just Christians fighting with one another. And then I said, and I think the Holy Spirit is screaming at us, that's not who you are, you yeah. know? Yeah. So I'm with you. My heart just really, really breaks. I think that's been a, a really, really big challenge. Um, what about you, Nick? What's been the biggest challenge that you've faced in trying to carry out your vision in 2020 to the present? Yeah, it's related to what you are both saying and what Mark's saying. I think it gets maybe another aspect or angle of it is the fact of discipleship, right? People are being discipled by so many different channels now, perhaps more than they were in the past. Um, You know, you think about different media sources, whether it's podcasts, whether it's uh, TV news channels, radio stations. There's so much um, of that that is shaping people and shaping the way that they think. To the point where, you know, as a pastor, I only have, I'm only one of many voices so that they're hearing and being shaped by. And uh, that, that kind of bothers me and, and it worries me. And I think it's, it's again, that's not going away. That's a, that's a challenge that we're going to have to face. Um, the other part of it would just be the, the challenge of pastoring a congregation that's both online and in person. And I think that that has, that's not like it, it suddenly happened overnight, 
but it certainly ramped up and it, it became, it, I guess it was an accelerator, right? That's what we, we've been saying about this pandemic. Right. Um, and, and so I think that's a, that's a really serious challenge that we're, that we're facing right now. And especially if you have many of your leaders, you know, trying to lead leaders who are not coming in person. I think mm-hmm. that's very challenging. Yeah, I agree. And, and a big part of that uh, change is, uh, it, you know, you had mentioned, Nick, having, you know, a big part of your church that, that is, you know, not physically with you and that part that is physically with you. And so now we have to think almost in two distinct ways that, okay, you know, we're, we're gearing up for our Easter services as an example, and we're going to do baptisms during our Easter service as we always did. And part of our creative meeting was to consider, um, you know, how can we care for the portion of our body who's at home and, um, you know, actually finding those ways that you can, you know, if you have a smaller church, you can just call people up who you know are at home and say, hey, you know, have you all been baptized? Because we're going to be doing baptisms and we can, you know, accommodate your baptism class online or, you know, we you can you can officiate a baptism at home and film it. We'd love to include that in our services mm. so that the body is all together. But in, for a larger church, finding as well those creative ways to be able to say, how can we baptize people who are at home and in isolation because of varying COVID restrictions? But you really have to think about that, and that is a challenge. So yeah. I hear what you're saying there, Nick. Yeah, like never before, I think. You know, we're thinking about two different congregations. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, guys, thanks so much for being on the program today and really enjoyed your insights and uh, this conversation with us. So thanks uh-huh. for being here. Thanks, Rob. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's going to conclude our conversation for today, and we hope you enjoyed this bonus episode on vision with Mark Foreman and Nick Cady. Our goal is to bring a new episode on the first Thursday of every month. So our next episode, Ted and I are going to have a conversation about effective strategies to impact your community in practical ways. Our guests will be Pastor Lance Cook of Calvary Chapel La Habra and Pastor David Zamora of Living Way Church in Fontana, California. And these two guys are vastly different ministering in uniquely different communities, and yet they're both doing an incredible job in reaching the practical needs of their respective communities. I think you're really, really gonna enjoy this conversation. And if you enjoyed this episode, would you please leave a review and subscribe on whatever podcast platform you're listening on. Our goal on the Leadership Collective is to help you lead well through all seasons and challenges of ministry life. I'm Rob Salvato. I'm Ted Leavenworth. And we look forward to being with you next time on the Leadership Collective.